0: art in its widest, deepest level, under all those forms is a central, um, innate rhythm that's tied to our aliveness. So yes, just as we we don't choose to inhale or exhale, we we have no choice. We don't say, well, you know, I think I'm really more into inhaling. No, it, does, it doesn't work. And, and likewise, the way the heart breathes is by feeling and perceiving and expressing. That's how the heart inhales and exhales. And so it doesn't matter by what means you do that. Everyone has to do that in order to stay healthy and here and awake.
1: You are now listening to the Soul & Wonder podcast, episode 74, A Life of Expression with Mark Nepo.
0: Welcome to the Soul & Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing, all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah.
1: What is happening, everybody? Christopher and Sarah here to welcome you back to yet another episode of the Soul & Wonder podcast. Every other week, we bring you new interviews with world-renowned thought leaders and authors to support you in your personal growth and spiritual evolution. And whether you're a newbie or a longtime listener, we are so happy you decided to join us for another jam-packed, wisdom-filled episode. Today, we have Mark Nepo, author, poet, teacher, and thought leader. And we are so excited to dive into this interview with him it is definitely one of our favorites. But before we do so, we want to remind you to make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. And of course, if you love what you hear, please leave us a review and share with your friends and family.
2: Mark Nepo. What an incredible man. He has moved and inspired readers and seekers all over the world with his number one New York Times bestseller, The Book of Awakening. You may have heard of it. Beloved as a poet, teacher, and storyteller, Mark has been called, quote, one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller, and an eloquent spiritual teacher. And I agree wholeheartedly. His work is widely accessible and used by many, and his books have been translated into more than 20 languages. A best-selling author, he has published 20 books and recorded 14 audio projects. In 2015, he was given a Life Achievement Award by Age Nation, and in 2016, he was named by Watkins, Mind, Body, Spirit, as one of the 100 Most Spiritually Influential Living People and was also chosen as one of OWN's Super Soul 100, a group of inspired leaders using their gifts and voices to elevate humanity. In 2017, Mark became a regular columnist for Spirituality and Health Magazine. <clears throat> Mark was also part of Oprah Winfrey's The Life You Want tour in 2014 and has appeared several times with Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday program on OWN TV. He's also been interviewed by Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. The Exquisite Risk was listed by Spirituality and Practice as one of the best spiritual books of 2005, calling it, quote, one of the best books we've ever read on what it takes to live an authentic life. Mark devotes his writing and teaching to the journey of inner transformation and the life of relationship. He continues to offer readings, lectures, and retreats, so please visit Mark as well at threeintentions.com and wmespeakers.com slash speaker slash Mark dash Nepo. So, in today's episode, we're going to dive into his new book that has just hit the shelves, September 2019, called Drinking from the River of Light A Life of Expression. Now, this book presents the art and practice of our creativity as a means to unfold our spiritual growth. You know, whether we consider ourselves artists or not, he explores how the deeper we go into the creative process, the more attuned we become and the more we join with everything around us. Whether your writing is published or not, whether your music is recorded or not, whether your art is in a gallery or not, your garden is given a prize or not, or your cooking is or is not featured in the local paper, inhabiting a personal life of expression is its own reward by which we strengthen our connection. and we find our way filled with stories and exercises intended to introduce readers to the skills of vision perception feeling and articulation drinking from the river of light is a culmination of all nepo's years of writing and teaching regarding the deeper creative process
1: And in this interview, we cover a wide array of topics, including Mark's inspiration behind his latest book, Drinking from the River of Light, A Life of Expression, and how almost dying from cancer 30 plus years ago opened his eyes to the flow of creation. We also talk about the many layers of art of expression and the fundamental purpose of creation, the impact of our societal hunger for achievement and recognition on our connection with self-expression how to cultivate the faith and trust necessary for remaining present in the divine unfolding of our expression, as well as updates on Mark's new spiritual journeys available to the public in 2020.
2: I just hope you let every single word that Mark shares with us today on this interview just seep into every pore of your being. He is truly a poet and He brings messages down to earth in a way that feels like truth. So enjoy this one. Welcome back, listeners. We now have Mark with us. Mark, thank you so, so much. We are so grateful to share this space with you today. Oh,
0: well, thanks for having me. It's wonderful. I look forward to our talk.
2: You know, uh, just to tell our listeners, you know, we got a little sneak peek into your book that you're working on now. Um, by the time this recording is released, the book will probably have hit the shelves. Drinking from the river of light, a life of expression. And I was just telling Mark, listeners, that when we were reading through this first part, it was just like an energetic activation. You just felt the energy moving through you as as he helped guide you to the truths that you already know within yourself. You just may have forgotten and. So So, Mark, incredibly
1: magical. We are so excited. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I'm so excited to pick your brain about this book. So, before we get into like the details of the book and the content, I'm curious: what inspired you to write this book?
0: Well, I think this goes back to you know the journey that's really happened to me years years ago. Um, You know, I'm I'm 68 now, and in my 30s, as you probably know from a lot of my work, you know, I um, was stricken with a rare form of lymphoma and went through about three years where, you know, I almost died and was blessed to be here. And, and you know, being blessed to still be here, everything kind of got rearranged in me and my whole understanding of art and expression shifted. You know, up until that time, I, you know, I had a doctorate that I, I got by the time I was like 28 or 29 and I was already teaching at a university and, um, and, you know, I was really hoping and devoted to a life of art and poetry and teaching and, and, you know, hoping if I really, really worked hard, maybe, maybe I would write one or two poems that might, you know, someone might consider great. And then, you know, I got turned upside down and inside out. by almost dying and being still blessed to live, be here. And my whole understanding of art and expression shifted because I became much more interested in the expressive journey of healing Mm. and not so much, you know, even, even with good intent, even when we work, you know, toward creating lasting, meaningful art, we 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 are so insidiously imprinted with the manufacturing mindset mm. that everything's a product and the thing that really happens i mean and we can we can if we're blessed create things that have meaning and that are useful but when we devote ourselves we're we're the ones created for mm. that commitment and devotion and so you know i i started out wanting hoping to write great poems. And then when I was ill, forget that, I was needing to discover true poems that would help me live and be Mm -hmm. here. And now, now in my 60s, I just want to be the poem. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs)
2: That's beautiful.
1: So let's dive into a little bit about the art of expression. What are the many layers of this art and why is this just as vital as something like breathing oxygen?
0: Yeah, so, you know, that's kind of the central uh, metaphor is the sense that I've been long interested in Below, I mean, there are many, many wonderful, outstanding books about craft and language and, and about technique in all art forms. But what I've been drawn to because of what we just were talking about is what's the life giving, uh, the life giving innate practice that's tied to our aliveness and under whatever form it might be. And let's widen the forms, like not just the formal arts Mm -hmm. that we consider the arts. But, you know, I would call art anything that engages us. It could be gardening. It could be being an auto mechanic and having such a love, anything that we do, any process that we devote ourselves, you know, it could be to collecting stamps or, or rare forms of flowers or stones. I mean, whatever it might be, or working, you know, in a food kitchen. So, to, you know, art in its widest, deepest level, under all those forms is a central um, innate rhythm that's tied to our aliveness. So, yes, just as we, we don't choose to inhale or exhale, we, we have no choice. We don't say, "Well, you know, I think I'm really more into inhaling <laughs> no, it does, it doesn't work and and likewise, the way the heart breathes is by feeling and perceiving and expressing that's mm-hmm. how the heart inhales and exhales, and so it doesn't matter by what means you do that. Everyone has to do that in order to stay healthy and here and awake and alive. So this whole investigation, which is really at the intersection of where I've always lived as a learning artist, writer, and where I've always lived as a learning guide teacher. So, you know, it's really about that exploration of those deeper, the deeper terrain and skill sets that we all have to negotiate to 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 be that alive and and so you know one metaphor i use very early on in the book is you know just just as all the traditions the meditation traditions you know we don't meditate to become great breathers you know we meditate to become clear vessels mm-hmm. and likewise with expression we don't write or paint or dance to become great writers painters or dancers we do that to become clear vessels to help us be to reduce what's between us and life Mm -hmm. so there's hardly anything there
2: it's that true flow state that that ultimate presence and i'm glad that you clarified too that the art of expression isn't limited to what we might you know, think of as like studio art or poetry or music, um, that it it spans across a wide variety of whatever brings you to life, that you're so mm, overjoyed to be present with that task as you create it and it creates you. It's like this beautiful dance. And so I think so many people doubt that they are innately artists right we down our own existence
0: (laughs) everyone is an artist you know um and we're all you know for me you know poetry with a big p not even i don't even mean words on a page i mean poetry is the unexpected utterance of the soul that comes along to restore us Mm. and uh and so you know this, how do we find this, whatever it is for us that allows the heart to inhale and exhale? Well, you know, paradoxically, it's not so easy for human beings. You would think it would be, but you know, animals, uh, there was a, a female mystic uh, from Germany from the Middle Ages, uh, Mechthild, and she said beautifully, she said, a bird doesn't fall from the sky, and a fish doesn't drown in water. Each creature must find their God-given element. And so it's pretty easy for a bird and a fish. They're, they know where they are. But we are such diverse, complex creatures with so many gifts that it's not so easy for us to To find what's our air and what's our water and that's why it's so important to be present and to stay true and Mm -hmm. to stay open because these are the ways that we find what works for us
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and some of us really struggle to feel our own specialness, to find that element. And we fall into this belief that our expression isn't worthy, or perhaps we fall into that comparison trap where everyone else's creation seems to be, quote unquote, more important based on like level of impact or talent. And in your book, you have a sentence that really stood out to me. It said, we all collaborate with the universe in adding to the joy of existence and i'd like to ask you how can our listeners if they are struggling waking up to that truth how can they wake up to this truth that their sheer beingness is in fact in collaboration with all
0: that is well so i think i think what and again when when i you know i appreciate your questions and let me i should say this from the beginning that that you know i don't have any answers. Um, and I can only kind of share my notes on being alive. And so what I offer are examples, not instructions.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
0: and so I think what I have found, and, and this is what is so important and restorative is to follow, you know, the, the word trust literally means follow your heart. So our heart is our greatest leader guide, uh, on this journey. And so when we follow our heart, when we follow what touches us, what has meaning, it will lead us to the next moment. And the next moment until we discover an unlikely path, you know, we can't, we try because we're so, uh, uh we're so mental heavy in our modern world, we think that, oh well, i'll just think it out. you know I'll make a five year plan how to <laughs> how to discover what touches my heart. Well, that's not how the heart works <laughs> and and so you know it involves risk, and this is true faith. True faith, practical, functional faith is not belief in an idea or some doctrine or a code or a set of character values it's trust in the vibrancy of life that's just beyond what we know Mm. and we follow that and and so i would offer you know because we also i would say that we never i i personally don't believe in a permanent state of enlightenment it may be possible for some beings. I don't know. Maybe the Dalai Lama is permanently enlightened um, or someone like that. But that's not been my experience on earth. And I feel like we are, as human beings, we're a walking paradox. The being is infinite and the and the human is very finite. And so, you know, we fall down and get up and we're sensitive and then we're insensitive and we're clear and we're confused. So, when we fall down, the way that we need to get up is to return to being completely present, holding nothing back, and following our heart, and see what's there, and it will become our teacher.
1: Mm.
2: What a beautiful way to explain that flow state once again and the 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 following your excitement to lead you exactly where you need to be, exactly when you need to be there and out of curiosity, when you say that you follow your heart, what sort of sensations do you notice within your being when you know, in fact, you are following your heart and not going against it?
0: Well, there's a tenderness, there's an aliveness, there's energy, there's clarity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even if I can't name it, you know, it's not about naming it, it's about experiencing it. And so, um, so, yeah, so that, that restores me. And then what happens is, you know, when we, when we are present and we're, we hold nothing back and we allow ourselves to feel whatever it is, it might be a pleasant sensation, it might not be a pleasant sensation. Um, you know, even pain and confusion are teachers. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when that happens, it cleanses my eyes, my ears and my mind. And now I see, hear, and feel differently. And therefore, I make different decisions with a clear mind and a clear heart Mm -hmm. and a clear body. And that's, you know, one of the rewards of being present is that it cleanses all of our instruments
1: And what a liberating feeling that is, because exactly what you just mentioned, I know I can feel wholeheartedly when I'm tapped into that presence, especially when it's doing something that I absolutely love to do. And, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, you had touched on a little bit about how well, one, that we are complex and diverse beings, and that we do um, maybe from a societal standpoint, create things out of the need for uh, recognition and achievement, and how do you feel the urge to create out of hunger for achievement has impacted our collective relationship with self-expression overall
0: yeah, so so that's a wonderful question, and it's, and you know all these things, let me preface this by saying all the things we're talking about. As we talk about them, we we can't eliminate them. We can only right-size them. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our incarnation. Like every generation, wisdom doesn't give us a shortcut to the journey. It simply supports our turn in the journey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no there's no getting out of this. And why would we? <laughs> it's wonderful, even though it's hard sometimes. So I think that there's this... There's this kind of you know we all have both a need to see and a need to be seen, and uh, and so when they get out of proportion, is when we struggle out of balance. You know, if all and, and, then, and so this is a way into your your question. Um, so, you know, if all we do you know if through solitude, we all have our direct experience of this mystery we call life. And, and that renews us, you know, and paradoxically, we all have that. We all have that. It reminds us that every one of us is like Adam or Eve. Just there's nothing between us and this miracle, how rare it is to be here at all. And if anything, that was the greatest gift of almost dying from cancer, is this touchstone that how rare it is to be here at all and um now if all i'm left with is my direct experience oh boy you know mm-hmm. because that you know so so presence allows us to remember how rare it is to be here and it renews our direct experience of life and it allows me if i'm present truly present it allows me then to understand what, who, and what you are. Now we talk about meaning because meaning is relational. Meaning is relational. So now on the, so if all I have is my experience, then all of a sudden I'm not clear. I become stubborn. I become opinionated. I don't welcome other views. I'm encased in my own bubble of my view of life. So we need to restore our own experience, but we need each other's experience because we're more together than alone, which was the title of my last book. And mm-hmm. um, But on the other side, in belonging, in, in wanting, you know, the, the real wonder of, of connection and relationship is that we're more together than alone, it is that I can understand and see and feel more um, for being with you in some ways than being just by myself the liability of that is that, you know, for love, I'll give everything I know away in a second. Mm. I'll say, no, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. No, whatever it is, just don't go away. Don't leave. So now let's get back to your question a little bit with that underpinning. And, and, and that is that there is this kind of tension all the time that, you know, we live in a modern world that is so focused on getting attention And getting ahead, you know, we are all taught that to get in any field, to get ahead, you must get attention.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: But to get a heart, you need to give attention. Mm. And so, yes, you know, in terms of making it in the world of circumstance and out there, we do need to be seen and heard and in order to be public But that's not why we're doing things. You know, I I started writing, even as a young man, as a way to keep the wonder in view a little while longer. It was giving attention. It was recognizing and verifying the mystery and miracle of life that brought me alive. Getting and giving and getting it. And then we have this other thing. We're all desperate to be recognized and verified, which even if we get it, doesn't really, doesn't really do it because it's, it's seeing that's more life giving than being seen. It's recognizing and verifying. So, you know, so this moves into our popular, you know, culture where we have a you know this ache this terrible ache to be a celebrity when we secretly ache for something worthwhile to celebrate
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is beautiful hearing you sort of map this out and sharing your personal experience when you were younger writing and what that did for you and taught you and allowed you to move through your art. And it reminded me of, um, I, I, I'm a studio artist. And so when I was a child, I was always, always had a sketchbook and I was, I would draw to draw and I kept the sketchbook private. I wouldn't show anyone because there was something really beautiful about just expressing myself through Exploring the world from the life of a child's eyes, the perspective of a child's eyes, seeing things, making connections for the first time. And there's this life that it brought out of me. But when I went to college for art, I started noticing the more I had to produce material for a grade or for the critique classes, um, the more I started using it with a goal for achievement. Um, a goal for recognition. And my, it was almost like the hose started, I started to kink my own hose, (laughs) Um, which I learned so much from that. And it was beautiful, but I ended up switching my major because I no longer had this like passion to create for that recognition, but it seemed to be my only driving force behind my art. And I felt like the art was just sucked out of me, or I allowed it to be sucked out of me. And to be honest with you, since then, it's been a challenge to re-enter that flow state with, with my, that medium, that art form. Um, and I'm just... I feel like so many people could probably relate to that, even if it's not art or music, but gardening yes. or cooking. Well, thank
0: yeah, thank you for sharing that, and 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 you know what I want to respond and, and encourage you is and and a lot of what I think this book tries to open up is how what are the ways that and I want to encourage you to to explore the ways that you can reclaim uh, the authority of your own being. Mm. The authority of your own being, because you know all of those critiques and all those things. In proper perspective, they're helpful. Mm-hmm. But when they become the way that we are subtly and not so subtly taught to identify ourselves, so you know this is this. Let's all go all the way back, right? You know, we start out, and when you're young, each of us whether you felt this in, this aliveness and drawing. And so just draw. And then somewhere along the way, somebody or something, or it became apparent, oh, you should become a artist or Mm -hmm. painter or drawer. Or, you know, I was involved in expression. And so then somebody said, oh, oh, that's a good turn of phrase. You should become a writer or someone likes to twirl in the schoolyard and they do it gracefully then the teacher says oh you you would be a good dancer Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with those things except that the you notice that all of them inadvertently turn a verb into a noun (laughs) (laughs) okay the the life force the aliveness the enlivening part to our heart go back to our how the heart breathes is in staying a verb it's fine to become a quote dancer or a writer but that's not the real identity Mm -hmm. so you know if you come alive by drawing then just draw Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what anybody calls it you know and the other, so then what happens as we work toward that, and then we go to school and like I was in, in a doctoral program and, and then, you know, well, am I really a writer if it's not public? <laughs> am I really a painter if it's not in a gallery? Am I really, you know, a gardener if my uh, flowers don't win a prize? And so it all gets turned inside out. And if those things happen, that's wonderful. But that's not why we're doing it and that gets back to the the essential life giving uh form that is this life of expression because even the word you know what is not expressed is depressed Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when we express Together and share that with others. It inspires and motivates each other to go deeper within themselves, ourselves, and explore that as well.
1: Yeah. And I also want to add, you know, just I really want to thank you first off for reigniting the flame within myself and per this conversation that we're having. Sarah had mentioned, obviously, about her art and obviously putting that to the side throughout after going through college and doing all of that. But for me, you know, I've had this really and I've written a lot and had this urge to really start this memoir on my journey living in Africa for two years and mm. uh, something Something keeps holding me back. And I I finally realized I had a moment of clarity as you were speaking today, Mark. And uh, that moment of clarity hit me over the head. And it is exactly what we were talking about this need for achievement and being this achievement um, oriented society that we live in. And really tapping deeper into doing it to relive these magical moments and inspirational moments I had. Um, not to if it turns into something great if it doesn't it doesn't but just to do it for myself and to really relive this entire process and i think for me i've been coming at it from a standpoint of oh this could turn into a great memoir and a book and who knows where it can go from there and um it's really just the programming that i've endured over the years to to think like that yeah, so you really nice. re ignited that
0: flame for me <laughs> well i'm glad i'm glad and again there's nothing wrong you know maybe it will become a great book mm-hmm. who knows but that's not at heart, why we do that, and you know, and I'd I'd like to say so. A couple of things, you know, I'd like to say honestly too that you know, when I was uh, beginning, you know, I so wanted to be published and hope for you know success and all of that, but you know, as I as I started to understand myself, as I started to individuate, as I started to understand my own histories and relationships and family and upbringing, you know. It, it, all under all of that, for me, was you know I had both my parents are gone now um, for about three or four years, but you know my my mother especially was very withholding, very uh, conditional kind of love, and so unconsciously what was I doing? I and this is before we had email, so I would send out you know hundreds of poems to magazines and journals all over. And then I'd run to the mailbox to see if it was accepted. Mm -hmm. And so I was unconsciously replaying my acceptance and rejection with my mother's love just at the mailbox, Mm -hmm. you know, over and over. And, you know, I'd like to say it was some wisdom on my part that changed. But, you know, no, it was it was the humbling experience of my cancer journey of and realizing, you know, on the other side of that. Wow, that really doesn't matter, you know, what matters is that I'm waking up every day and that's the reward and everything else is just like a bonus. And so, so to get back to your, your instinct to, you know, to, to, and your call to want to return to this journey. See, every, everything is a teacher for us. And I believe that we write or express about what we need to learn. Not what we know. Mm. you know, i I've been blessed to be prolific, but it's only because I've always written about what I need to know. If I only wrote about what I know, I would have written very little. and um, but, but we tell stories so that we can digest their meaning. And a lot of times we, especially older people will repeat stories and we think, oh, they're and sometimes they're just repeating, but often, at any age, we tell stories more than once because their meaning is too much to be digested in one telling. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you, rather than to think about that you want to, you know, relive these two years in Africa, it feels to me from what you're sharing that, and this happens for all of us, there was so much there that, that was important that it bears revisiting so you can keep learning from it Mm -hmm. and you can buy and buy the life of expression you start to surface you return to a conversation and this is good for all of our listeners we return to a conversation um with the moments that are transforming so they can keep releasing their meaning Mm Hmm. Mm, I love
1: that it's
2: the integration process. It is and the many layers.
1: Absolutely, there's so many layers to it to every experience, really. And it just keep peeling those layers back to reveal so much more. And I think you know, Sarah and I have been on this uh, this personal growth journey for some time, and it's interesting all the layers that you feel like may have been exposed. Um, they just keep going, and it's it's quite the Quite the ride and the journey. And it's something that I think all of us obviously tapped into this journey. We can learn every single day from new experiences and things that we've we've done throughout our lives.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a Hindu phrase called Upa Guru U-P-A-G-U-R-U. And it means the teacher that is next to you at this moment. And there's always a teacher next to you at this moment, and it's not limited in any way to human teachers and so wherever we are where, where wherever we're going through, there is an upa guru and often you know in one way to understand the life of the poems that I've written over a lifetime is they're just a record of of all the lessons from the upa gurus I've encountered. Mm-hmm. you know something stops me, even if it might be a you know it might be a uh, how a uh, a bird or a pigeon mistakes a broken piece of glass that's glittering in an alley for a second it thinks it's food until it realizes it's not and then oh that just stays with me what's the lesson there what's the lesson there mm. you know and it's the and it's the unfolding of the expression and so I, I also want to talk about the power of expression
1: mm-hmm.
0: So and and so, let me share a couple of stories about that from 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 history of musicians and artists and and, and different things and the power uh, of expression for us, you know, what it does to us and for us. And you know, Beethoven is a great great example. Um, you know, Beethoven we know was this musical genius who you know brought music that who was never heard in the world or even conceived of in such abundance and in such mastery. And, but Beethoven also went deaf by the time he was 28. So imagine, imagine that you, you discover, like we were saying earlier, that your element, your, your God given element, you know what it is, you know, your gift and, 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 You know, you know, you're supposed to, you're hearing music that's never been heard on earth. But you're starting to realize you're never going to be able to hear it played. Mm. Oh, my God, what a horrible, awful thing. And he was in despair. He was in despair. And in 1802, um, he went, there was a small town outside of Vienna, Helligenstadt, And he told his family he was going to go there uh to just for like a you know we'd call it a retreat some solitude but really privately he was going there because he was contemplating suicide it was that painful mm. he couldn't he couldn't bear it he didn't know how to, what to do with this and so he got there and he began to write what began as a suicide note it was a letter to his brother and this is the power of telling the truth of our experience and how live, even, even when it's difficult, what we have to say, when we can report authentically, express the truth of our experience, it transforms us. Doesn't necessarily take away, didn't take away his deafness, but it transformed him. So he writes this very, and it's called now the Heligenstadt Testament. You can probably Google it, find it online. And Um, and he begins to talk about, this is so difficult. I can't bear this. How am I going to, I don't know how to do this. And I can't, I don't know how to live with it. And after expressing that so honestly, all of a sudden at the end, it stops being a suicide note. And instead he surprises himself and ends the letter by saying, so I guess I'll make the most music I can with what I have for as long as I can. Wow. And he folds up the letter, he puts it in his pocket, he goes back to Vienna, puts it in the back of his top desk drawer, and begins what is arguably the decade of masterpieces, unprecedented more than any other composer that's ever lived. And when he did die in his late 50s, um, that letter was discovered by his brother after his death, in the, in that top desk drawer. Mm. How powerful! How that's, moving!
2: <laughs> to know that he he revealed parts of himself to himself through that letter, that one letter that he never shared with anyone, and such a vulnerable, raw moment—a journey of true authenticity—that's just, just gave me chills. <laughs>
0: well and and you know, and this is um the power you know when we feel that we're powerless, the greatest power we have is to speak the truth of where we are mm-hmm. because it will the the act of expression itself will restore us and liberate it 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 like I said, it didn't take his deafness away mm-hmm. but it made the deafness a part of him rather than he live in the deafness. Mm. And this is very helpful for all of us. You know, another, um, let me tell one other story. And you know, if you have other questions and I don't want to cut off your questions, but um, another story is of Monet you know, Claude Monet, who we know is this amazing impressionist, master impressionist, and his masterpiece, the water lilies, these enormous, enormous, beautiful uh, paintings of impressionist paintings of gardens. So there's two things here that are so powerful and inspiring about Monet. And so one is that, you know, his whole life he was devoted to painting exactly what he saw that was it you know he got to be rather well known in his life and, and he lived to be in his 90s and um toward, toward the end of his life when he was very well known and he also didn't give very many interviews and there were all these he was so well known that there were the impressionists were now accepted he'd lived long enough that they were first seen as you know crazy uh avant-garde painters and then they became accepted as these innovators and so there's all this kind of interpretation in France and in Paris and in journals about what his paintings meant and why he painted the light. And, and, and so, you know, he kind of was got fed up with it. And one day he allowed a, a, an art critic to come interview him. And he came all the way from Paris to his gardens and, uh, and he got there. And all Monet said was, he goes, I paint what I see. That's it. It doesn't mean anything. He said, an "Interview over." <laughs> and so, so now, now as we take that just a little further toward the end of his life, Monet had double cataracts, and this was just when cataract surgery was just being explored, and so he was one of the first people to have the first uh, surgeries, and they didn't work. It didn't help him. But he just stayed, he just kept being devoted to painting what he saw. And that's when he painted his master full water lilies. Wow. So here is someone who devoted a lifetime to painting what he saw and to making his way of seeing precise, never knowing that his masterpieces would come by being as devoted to what he was seeing. As his seeing was breaking down.
2: Mm-hmm. The symbolism and their experiences and just the movement. It's life is just beautiful. That's all I can say to that. <laughs> life is just beautiful. <laughs> uh,
0: well, and the other the one other thing about Monet is that in order to paint his water lilies, he became a gardener. He created the gardens at Gaverne, which was his estate. and And the gardens became a work of art all by themselves. So we never know what we're called to do when we follow our heart.
2: Mm. And that might change, right? The paths might ebb and flow and go evolve. through. Yeah, evolve. And that's the beautiful thing about it. We have such, you know long lives to live through different forms of expression.
0: Well, and I think, and, and so here's a story about, about that evolution, and this is the story of Albert Schweitzer. Now, we know Albert Schweitzer is this great humanitarian who was, ran a hospital in Africa, created a hospital in Africa. Well, not a lot of people realize that Albert Schweitzer, before all that, he was a tenured philosophy professor in Europe, in, in Vienna, a very established, and he was also happened to be a very accomplished classical uh, organist. And he would, in his spare time, give classical organ concerts across Europe and very well attended. So he was quite the thing. And all of a sudden, he was like, around 40 years old and he had this kind of unexpected vision that he thought he was supposed to start a hospital in africa Mm. the only problem was he wasn't even a doctor and so he talked to some of his colleagues and friends and said you know i'm 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 start i think i'm supposed to do this and you know all of them said to a one are you crazy You're tenured, you're going you're doing sold-out classical organ concerts. You got it made. What are you talking about? And Albert Schweitzer listened to everyone respectfully, and then he resigned and went to medical school so he could become Albert Schweitzer. Mm. So so you know, we never know how it's going to unfold, but it's not about leaving. You know, you can be just as alive by staying devoted to what feels like your call your entire life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark,
1: we are very blessed to have had this conversation with you. Your work is, is amazing. And we just, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you've brought to this conversation and the stories that you've shared. I know they've deeply touched my heart and I can probably speak the same for, say the same for Sarah. And, you know, just to kind of end here, what, what updates would you like to share with our listeners? And also where can they, where can they follow your journey altogether?
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to be with you guys. And, um, so, you know, my, I'm, I'm teaching and traveling all over and my, you know, on my website, there's two websites, marknepo.com and a sister website, threeintentions.com, all spelled out. And that has all of my travel schedule and where I am. But there's also, I want to, I do want to share that on the very head of both websites, I've just designed that next year in 2020, as we enter a new decade, I'm gonna be offering three spiritual journeys in different formats. And one is a year long journey. And these are for small groups. I'm gonna limit it to 30 people each. So one is a year long journey where the same group of people come together four weekends over a year. And I will prepare a journey through that. And the other is a way taking one week six full days for a deep dive. And the third is a weekend retreat. Um, but all the details on how to register and if that speaks to anyone and feels right is all up on both websites. Um, right there. Wow.
1: I, Sarah and I both looked at each other at the same time when you mentioned that
0: (laughs) we might have
1: to check that one out.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, please do. And see if it speaks to you, you know, we've, purposely, uh, you know, my team has helped me, uh, putting this up. None of these will start till like next March. Um, and you know, we really wanted to put them up ahead of time because these are commitments and it takes with people's lives. It takes time to plan it Mm -hmm. if you if it does speak to you and see can you do it and all that so that's why we put it up so far in advance
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for sharing that and I can say I'm feeling motivated after my work tasks today I'm going to pull out my sketchbook and I'm going to drop
0: great What a
1: pleasure it was to have Mark on with us. We really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with him and so many simple truths that are so powerful that are applicable to everybody's life. And what a pleasure. And of course, if you guys really enjoyed this episode, along with our other ones, you can please share, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts spotify youtube and if you're on social media you can find us at soul and wonder love share this episode along with others and on facebook at soul and wonder well until next time we'll talk to you soon